This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. and excited to just be able to share for a few minutes uh, from the Word today. And then we're going to conclude with, as Juan mentioned, some time together just getting connected to Harbor Home Leaders and all that's happening here at the Harbor, which I'll actually wrap up uh, today because I want to just speak to our hearts. Um, I really believe that God is going to do something profound in each of us, including myself, as I share, as it relates to prosperity of soul to become what I'm calling uniquely you. There's there's a bridge, I believe, that God is wanting us to understand today to step in to who he always intended for each of us to be. You see, in the world, in the economy of God as it relates to his kingdom, if we're not functioning in who he's designed us and called us how to function, How many of you know it's going to hinder his purposes here on the earth? We talk about Jesus moving, and that is so true of a statement. But the way Jesus moves is through you and me. He moves through us being whole in soul, spirit, soul, body, and then bridging into that prosperity of being uniquely you. There's no one like you. There's no one like you in all of the earth. There's no one that's ever been made just like you. And then as we're being joined together as living stones, we're becoming this unique creation called the bride of Christ, called his church on the earth, that is the hope of the world. If you believe that same. <laughs> See, at present, Wendy was, I think there was just such an unction on this today, and we never talked about these things, but... I believe there's an effort to really, diabolical effort, to impoverish the souls of humanity. To keep us held down from who we're actually called to be. I want to read this out of 3 John, chapter 1, verse 2. And I want you to catch this revelation as we're looking into this whole topic, and we're going somewhere specifically with this today. He says, beloved friend, there's connection, right? The connection Wendy mentioned today. Beloved friend, I pray that you are prospering in every way. Everybody say every way. Every way, and that you continually enjoy good health just as your soul is prospering. This weekend, I think it was actually at the end of last week, Wendy and I were watching a Netflix original series called Chef's Table, and they were focusing on chefs in the nation of France. I don't, I haven't watched this before. It was my first time, and I was so moved. I literally was moved to tears watching this documentary as they portrayed the stories of different gastro chefs around the world, specifically in this nation of France, who had received a Michelin star over their restaurant. 
Michelin star is one of the highest ratings. The, the top that you can get is a three-star restaurant. And this whole concept of, of gastronomy is where you're launching a restaurant um, with the unique art and science of good eating, which incorporates culinary cultural customs into its practice. So the dynamic of watching this documentary that was so inspiring to me is you see the uniquely used stories of these chefs and their journey that at times was very difficult, very challenging, that along the way was inspired by other people, inspired by the cities and nations that they were born in, the countries that they visited. I was like, wow, like, that people one day would eat and taste and see that what they've created was good in their restaurants. Many of these stories um, showed their passion for the land that they were born into and that they had come to love. One guy was in a part of France where culinary art and culture wasn't too respected. And so there was a season where he was forced just to make ends meet, to kind of give the people what they wanted, what they had always known. But there was this moment when courage came over him and he took a risk and he was inspired to move into the thing that was always on his heart, to give the people maybe something that they'd never experienced before. You see, in the culture of this world, it's trying to even condition, I believe, the body of Christ. Hear this, to give the world kind of what they want instead of what maybe they ultimately desire, but they've never tasted it. When I married Wendy, I mean, being from the Pacific Northwest, I mean, I was like a meat and potatoes kind of guy. That was it, you know? The thought of Thai food or sushi or Indian or, you know, you name it kind of food was just not even on my my radar. But she kind of inspired me to get outside the box and explore a little bit, right? And thank God for her because, man, we have had some of the most beautiful experiences eating of the foods of the nations of the earth. Food is so tied to culture. It's, it's, it's so real as it relates to an expression from the inner, the passion, especially in the French. Like the one thing that I loved about this argument, the passion, the zest for life. They had images of this one guy walking through the fields of, of produce that this, this one chef had planted himself and, and he was garnering all of his needed, uh, you know, uh, recipe items. Uh, for the foods that he would one create out of his own garden. And he was just talking about, this is what brings me alive. This is what makes me feel, you know, excitement. And, and it gives breath into my lungs. And he's walking through this thing that he's, in the grace of God over his life, created. What about you? What brings you passion? What brings the desires and dreams that you feel on the inside alive? Or are you being conditioned by whatever external forces, whether you realize it or not, to not really be uniquely you. To not be prospering in soul as we are called to prosper. 
Our spirits are already alive in Christ. If you know him today, you have Christ in you, the very hope of glory. But the overflow of that, something was on Wilson today as he was just preaching to us, really, in, in edifying us in the close of worship, that there's an overflow of the prosperity of Christ in you that should flow over into your soul. Your mind should be alive. Your will should be moving according to the will of God. Your emotions should be zestfully filled with life. Not depressed, not discouraged, not disenfranchised, not bitter, not cynical. All of the things that the culture of this world tries to bring against us through our experiences. Because it's keeping us from being uniquely us. I want to show you this in Psalms chapter 139, verse 14. Look at this. This is a revelation of a uniqueness. I was actually sitting, having a cup of coffee, and I realized that this verse was on this mug that I was drinking from. And man, boom, like it's been one that we've seen, we've heard of a lot in church, but I want to take it from a little bit different angle. And when I saw this verse, it was just like revelation popped off my heart. I want to just overflow and share with you what happened to me in this time. The psalmist writes, I will praise you. Okay, let's not just stop right there. Let's rewind and just sit on that for a minute. I will praise you. I will, with every fiber of my being give you love and devotion to your heart and the response of what you've given to me there is an understanding in the in the heart of the psalmist here that that God has something uniquely designed and made for him and it brings him to life and he says here it is, the revelation, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. There's such a devaluing over humanity right now, over individuals. Come on, have you ever had that, that little whisper into your ear telling you all of the horrible things about yourself that at times have come into question about maybe your personality or your looks or your dreams or your desires or the way you think or, you know, kind of that makeup of the inner you that only you and God knows about. And then there's that little whisper on the inside that just devalues you a time and time again.
want to be. I'm afraid to take this mic. The anointing is so strong, these things are just conking out on me this morning. I'm telling you. You know, we are not God and we didn't, I, what I had the awe of today was, wow, Lord, you made entrance for me and I was so humbled by that this morning. But I'm in the midst of him making entrance. I'm gonna take my place. I'm not gonna have a false humility. I'm gonna move forward in who you've created in me with great resolve. Marvelous are your works. You need to get, wake up this morning, look in the mirror and say, wow, Lord, marvelous are your works. Come on. You have a cool thought? Just say, whoa, Lord, marvelous are your works in me. You have a dream. You have a love that fills your heart for a person. You're moved with emotion to have compassion for somebody. Just start saying, marvelous are your works in me. When you make it through a week where you didn't know if you were going to make it and at the end you're standing, you still have a smile on your face, say, marvelous are your works. <laughs> oh, I could go on and on and on right there. This is where we need to start moving our framework and way of thinking. This is where the psalmist was. And then he says, and here's prosperity. And my soul knows very well. This isn't some spiritual, intellectual disconnect. It now has gotten down into the depths of who you are. You are convinced and you are immovable in what God has shown you about who you are in Christ. Go watch Chef's Tables table. I mean, I'm just getting moved as this one guy's cutting up octopus. I'm like, I don't understand what's happening right now. And another story, this guy making those billow buns, you know, over from China. I'm just like, whoa, Lord, there is something happening. There's something cooking up in the kitchen of God's move in the earth. My soul knows very well. Now, I just want to just for a minute, because I, I got to take you just, just peer into this with me for just a minute, a little bit deeper. When he talks about, I am fearfully made, it literally means to revere, to have awe of how we are created. You know, there, listen, when was the last time you sat and in a humble way, just be in awe of who God made you to be? Versus think all these horrible thoughts about yourself, be so pushed down, be so just disillusioned with maybe who you are, what your upbringing was, who your parents were, where you were born, what circumstances you went through in life. Let's sit in this 2020 year, year and be in awe of who God made us to be. Love yourself as he has loved you. The love of God is trying to come to us in a powerful way and show us the value of who we are created in his image. Uniquely you in a specific kind of way. It means to revere. It means to show deferential honor. Not a lot of honor in the culture of this world. Would you agree? But the church should be exploding with honor. You honor other people because you have honor for yourself. 
You give away what you have. Most of the time, the reason we don't honor and the reason we speak and tear other people down and criticize is because that's how we feel about ourselves. You're just projecting what you're instituting against your own self. I refuse right now to have anything to say about anybody else. And I'm going to end. I'm going to show you a little thing that God did in my heart as I went through this little exercise with him and this encounter in his word. To regard as worthy, worthy of great honor. I mean, Jesus before the cross is crying out, Father, honor these ones as you have honored me. Can you imagine? We're not God again, but he's putting us on an equal prayer request plane as it related to the same dimension of how the Father honored him for that now to be extended to his disciples, which includes you and me, those who would one day believe in his name. What about wonderfully? I love the language. Like, it's not just fearfully, but he throws in another adjective, wonderfully, which means to distinguish. To distinguish, to make noteworthy or remarkable. Come on, have you ever felt like, wow, I just feel different than everybody else? Revelation. (laughs) Guess what? You are. But in the midst of that, how did you interpret the feeling of that difference? Gosh, is there something wrong with me? Maybe I'm the only one that thinks these things in the room. Is there something? What's wrong with me? Versus, no, Darren, you're distinguished apart from everybody else. Now, when we get the revelation that we need each other, the connection, we can't get to where we're going without others. This is not a distinguishing unto separation. It's a distinguishing unto a need for other people. Here's what I carry, but here's what you carry, and here's how that links together. Oh. To give prominence to. Now notice the psalmist, because we're talking about prosperity of the soul. He moves from this, this moment. He says, he says, my soul, my soul. Now the literal meaning for soul means a breathing creature, someone who has breath in their lungs. That's a soul by basic definition, but it goes a little bit deeper than that. It literally means vitality. Vitality. The older I get, the more I appreciate vitality, appreciate the vitality. But it's our portion. We are called to live a vitality-filled life. It's where we have, check this out, an enduring, an enduring capacity to live and develop life. Life over you, but not only life, but life abundant. It's where it's moving in a continual trajectory, developing you, growing you. And listen, by the way, sometimes we don't even recognize this, but at our lowest moments are so we feel or think or perceive, there may be some of the most vital things happening on the inside of you that you won't know until the backside of that wilderness. You endure in in Jesus' name. You endure by the grace of God. You continue to be filled with the life of of, of his spirit as you go through whatever comes across your path. 
It literally means, and going back to the, the chef's table, it literally means to have an appetite. Now we know there's all kinds of appetites in our culture for horrendous things, right? But the church, you are to have an appetite for life and for who you are and to see who you are in this life fulfill its very purpose. You're to be hungry for that. You know what? The mystery, and that's why we love prayer and soaking and those kind of times here at Harbor is because when we eat of Jesus, we actually could, should and will get even more hungry than we were before when we went into the room. We're satisfied. It's not a hunger. Listen, it's not a hunger. Oh, I'm starving. Oh, my stomach feels empty. No, it's a hunger and appetite for more. It's like we taste of him. And when you listen, oh, come on. When you get touched by God for real and it's authentic and it's not just some religious whatever, you are ruined forever because you are now, oh my goodness, when I've had that now, there's got to be something else. Unfortunately, you know, in the quote-unquote spirit-filled environment, we just kind of have made that about being Holy Spirit junkies and getting more for us. But God ultimately wants you to have those kind of encounters so you'll have more of a zest for life for others. So we now start moving out of those experiences and saying, hey, we're here to impact this world. My soul. I am running out of time. He also says, my soul knows. Means to ascertain by seeing. We were worshiping about that. God, give us the ability to see. We can't know anything until we can see. I was telling my wife, I had the most beautiful conversation with our middle child. And I was like, I don't need to go into any of the details, but I'm like, he can see. He can still see. You ever had that with your kids? You're like so worried about them. And then all of a sudden you have this conversation and you're like, they can see, they get it. Thank you, God. We want to make sure our kids are all it's like it's pastors. You know, we want to make sure the church really gets it. And then, you know, we think we have to kind of force them or manipulate them or do whatever to make them see as parents. And God all of a sudden does a Jehovah sneaky, comes up, opens their eyes up, and then we're sitting there not getting the credit for anything. And we're going, God, you're so good. You just broke through and helped this person to see. The person that you think is maybe the most blind might be the most a person with the most sight in the coming days. There's going to be some crazy stuff go down. Don't you get disheartened. Don't you get fearful. Don't you get religiously manipulative because you want to make someone see. When it's not necessarily maybe their time right now under your way of doing it to make them see. It's a conclusion formed because of known facts or evidence through observation, care, recognition, and instruction. I could preach a whole message on that right there. And then he says, my soul knows very well. We're wrapping this up. Very well means vehement intensity. Darren, you're intense. That's right, because God made me to be so in his spirit. 
vehement intensity. Vehement intensity. But it's also painstaking work. Well, sometimes I don't really feel inspired by God. It's okay, stay faithful and just keep going. Just keep going. I'm not talking about religious effort. I'm not talking about you doing it in your own strength. I'm just saying, just listen. Time tells all things. Be faithful. God will trust, trust me. He will honor you. He will help you. He will get you to where you're going. Just stay the course. I just want to say to the body of Christ, stay the course. The other day, Julie uh, asked me a question. She said, hey, who were six people that influenced your life along your journey? Interestingly enough, I came up with two different lists. I came up with people that I had practical engagement person to person with over the course of our journey. And then another list of people that in the greater body of Christ inspired me and somehow, you know, brought what they had on the inside of their heart. And I flashed back. Remember the other week I was talking about this box of treasures that I was given as we did a clean out across the street and I was going through those and one of the words, I'm wrapping this up that stood out to me that just like if, if this moment, something just jumped, it just like came off the page, it was the wildest thing and it was Darren, to the degree that you honor the gifts and uniqueness in other people's life is the same, to the same degree that God will enlighten that and move that through you in a whole new way in this season so before she even asked me this question, I'm sitting there thinking about the people that I've known. And I got them right here. Mike Miller. When I got saved at the University of South Carolina, I had an encounter with God in my dorm room by myself. There was no evangelism team that came and won me to Jesus. I didn't have a track handed to me. I never went to a church service. But let me tell you something. There was a faithful servant who was living by faith, who was willing to go one-on-one -on -one to myself and other people in that campus that actually began to root me into the gospel. And I am, I will never forget Mike Miller's name. In fact, part of who he is lives inside of me. Ron Pelton, the first pastor that we had, my, Wendy and I being married, this guy was so tender hearted with the father heart. He would weep through his entire message every single Sunday. And it wasn't a show. It wasn't anything like that. It was the most sincere, authentic love that I've ever seen in a human being in my entire life. And I would just sit there in awe and watch this guy talk about Jesus, talk about people and just weep with the father's heart of God, heart of God. I would just be so inspired. Lynn Ashlock. I'm working in the corporate world now. We moved to Oregon and a woman pastor. Yes, I said it. A woman pastor in a church because the pastor, the man leader messed up and made a bunch of dumb mistakes. And then this church was left with nobody. And here's this gifted, graced woman who we would remember those times we'd go in on Wednesday nights. I'm telling you, I felt like heaven had just touched down to earth as this woman would teach, as she would get words of knowledge, as she would talk about faith, as she would just move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It, I, I couldn't wait to go to church and be under Lynn Ashlock. And for years, ever since, that was 1992, and for all these years, every now and then I'll just write her and I'll say, Lynn, thank you for what you meant to Wendy and I's life when we needed somebody like you that carried a uniqueness. And she was so scorned as a woman. She had so many people against her in that little religious community telling her, and she didn't want to be the pastor. She just got forced into it. 
Wendy's own brother, who was paralyzed from Guillain-Barre, totally paralyzed. One, one service, she, she gets this word of knowledge. There's someone in here who has a, a, a brother that's in a, a tough uh, a medical condition. And me and Wendy went up to the front and we stood in proxy for his healing. She laid her hands on us. I'm telling you, I, this was no courtesy drop. We went out in the spirit first time. I was like, what in the heck just happened? No catchers onto a marble floor and I didn't feel a thing. We get up from that encounter, we go home, we get a call from Wendy's mom, Scott is miraculously healed and he is walking again instantly. This isn't charismatic mumbo jumbo, I'm telling you stuff was happening under her, under her leadership. When he started having encounters with all, I can, we, it's in my book that's coming out soon. It's all in there. Man, then we went on to John Zabowski in Greenville, North Carolina. It was worship, it was multi-ethnic. And it was beautiful. And there was such passion and energy in the room. And he preached with fervency. And my life was forever touched under his leadership. Bart Brookins, integrity, character, loyalty, and faithfulness. It was so good for me to see. He maybe, you know, didn't have some of the things the other people that I just described did. But what he had was a steadiness of heart. He had a character that was immovable. I knew 20 years from now, 30 years from now, he was still going to be walking with Jesus. Okay, we live in a gift-filled world right now where everybody celebrates that stuff. And then they fall and then we get all disillusioned because we celebrated gifts in people more than we did the integrity of Christ. And listen, all the bells and whistles are wonderful. But when you got a person that you know is going to be living for Jesus till the day they die, that makes you feel safe. It makes you feel secure. It gives you hope that you can do it. Chris Hodges, and this was a big one for me because we experienced a betrayal under this man's leadership. But I started thinking about the beautiful things that he brought. He had relational favor. He had vision like no one I'd ever been under. He was so good at putting healthy structure in place to make a dream go. He had movement in his heart. He was able to connect with marketplace leaders. Instead of it just being about church on Sunday, it was, hey, you're a leader in the marketplace and we're going to empower you to be powerful in that space. And he had influence with financial people that, were, that had influence. And man, his life changed my life. Wow. So here we are, you know, as I close. You guys can come up. What am I doing? happy to be who I am and who we are. And it's, it's a radical moment right now. It's like, what? Harbor on one Sunday doesn't have a gathering here and then they're in homes and then on a fifth Sunday they're not in a home or in the church, they're out on the beach. Like, <laughs> I got really disillusioned. I told our team the other day, it was like, one of our board members didn't even know what Sunday it was and what was happening. I was like, oh God, Lord. You have to be really hungry to find us, okay? <laughs> One day we may have gatherings and groups and not even tell you where we're meeting. And you're gonna have to pray in the spirit to get a word from heaven to find us. We're growing disciples here. Can I get an amen? not trying to be difficult, I promise. I'm just like, I just, 
I just don't want to do just another gathering, but I want to have gatherings. Darren, you're being bipolar and schizophrenic right now. Okay, maybe, I don't know, and I'm kidding. But I want to have gatherings because for 2,000 years, there's been gatherings on the earth. For 2,000 more, if the Lord tarries, people will gather. Stadiums will be filled. Auditoriums will be packed out. But because of the Lord. Groups. Jesus, after all the big gatherings, he would say, okay, guys, let's talk. Let's learn how to love. What do you think I meant when I said this? Let me hear from you. This is fun. I like doing this. I could do this all the time. But sometimes I sit in our Harbor Home groups and I'm in awe of what comes out of your mouth. I learn, Wendy, our team, from you. From your story, from who you are. We have to make place for We have to do it on the day where it's most important to just try to get a cultural nuance across that we're serious about this. Even if it's a little challenging as we grow in the process to become cultured according to heaven. Then we gotta learn to get outside of our comfort zone and take it to the world. I'm not an evangelist. I don't like handing out in the sense of what we've known. I don't like, you know, knocking on someone's door kind of thing. And, and really, we're going to do it more relationally. But we're going to give expression to whoever and how they feel to touch people's lives. We're going to empower business leaders and moms and school workers and stuff to be uniquely you in your space. That's ultimately where we're going. You just show up and carry Jesus. But we see in the life of Jesus, I want to just show you this as we wrap this up. We see three things that are clear. Because we're not trying to build Harbor's vision trying to build the kingdom vision. And in true north, where he was taking this group to be transformed people who now were empowered to transform culture, he was showing them three basic truths. I'm going to teach you how to know God. Come on, let's burn here. To really Wait a minute, I'm, 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 you got to hear this. I'm talking really no God who created all things. The one who had no beginning and has no end. The one all the libraries in the world couldn't even begin to hold the truth of what the apostles in the early days even began to know about Jesus, who was the exact express image of the Father in the earth. The one who clothed himself with humanity and didn't come as some royal king, but took on the fashion and form of a lowly servant and gave up his life in a brutal way on a cross so that we could have access to this very truth that we're living for here. If you don't want to know God, I understand, that's fine. But we're going for people that really want to know God. And then out of the overflow of knowing God, Jesus taught us how to love people. You can't have this without this. It do, it's just religious nonsense. This gives you capacity for this. And trust me, at times, people are hard to love. Come on, you know the story. You know the deal. I'm not preaching to some people that don't know what I'm talking about. But in the midst of that, we grow. Those two things primarily. 
And then God begins to fuel us to see that we're uniquely ourselves in a way designed by God to impact the world. It's taken me a while to really get this, but I'm starting to step in. I'm gonna unashamedly be me. And I'm gonna ask you to please unashamedly be you. And allow those rough edges to be polished by the love of God, by the spirit of Jesus. To whenever he comes and he convicts you, hey, not that way, this way. Humble yourself. Have a hard cry, Lord, we wanna be like you because we carry the essence of who you are already on the inside. Lord, help our minds be shifted and shaped by the washing of your word. Can we stand all over the room just for a minute? We have a whole rhythm of what we go through that follows the culture of our world. We, you know, we start off in the fall with a dream, launch our harbor at home groups, bring everybody back together. You can put up that uh, annual rhythm slide, but we bring everybody back together for Advent where we celebrate the coming of Christ. We give our leaders a break. Then we move back into a new year like we're doing today. We have Harbor Home Groups. Let's go. Nine meetings. That's it. Nine meetings that, that, that may change your life forever. We pull everybody together in the summer. We have gatherings. We, we, get, we get inspired by the word of God. It's for us glory. It's for this moment. Could you just close your eyes and just open up your heart? Could we just...
Listen, we just want to give you guys a few moments as you go get your kids, just to go connect with some of our leaders at the back, connect with any things that you may need, and we will see you by God's grace next Sunday in a Harbor Home group, okay? We love you guys. Be uniquely you in Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.